Hello everybody, Ben Rogers here of the Raptors Digest reacting to the Toronto Raptors 100-93 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers Riker. This is the Toronto Raptors' worst start to a season since 2005. The, the, the Raptors, they came out, they're 0-3 on the season, and before we sort of get into it, and we want to sort of plug this, we mean to plug, we were hoping to start off on a higher note, but uh, we want to plug the Raptors Digest website, got a lot of cool articles over there, so go to raptorsdigest.ca if you want to see some cool breakdowns, because there's certainly a lot of break, lots of breakdowns surrounding the Toronto Raptors right now, and Riker, this is tough, this is a tough start to the season for our, for our squad right now. And... I try to enter every podcast with a smile. I, this one was very forced. You can see we're both wearing our funeral grays and blacks because this Toronto Raptors team looks lifeless out there. May I bring a couple of points to the forefront of this video, Ben? One, Danny Green. Danny Green, the infamous bricklayer. He hit a dagger three to finish off the Raptors after shooting one for four. Shake Milton was one for six. I think Tobias Harris was one for six. Somehow the Raptors shot 40 plus percent from three, still managed to lose this game. Nick Nurse, for whatever reason, I think he's losing his marbles. He played Stanley Johnson over 20 minutes per game. This is real, guys. This is not, this is not fake news. Stanley Johnson was literally played over 20 plus. He was played 21 minutes in this game. And Alex Len got extended runs. We'll break down all the stats, Ben. You said it's a worse start than the 2005 Toronto Raptors team. Do you remember who was on that roster? 2005? I don't I know. Pulled up. I don't Do know specifically. Any guess? Mo, Matt, Mo Bonner. Pete? Ma Matt Bonner on that squad? Mo Pete. Okay. Chris Bosch. Jose. Jose Calderon. Yeah, Jose is on that squad. Charlie Villanueva was on that team. Chris Humphreys yeah, on that guys. squad? Is Chris Humphreys on that no, squad? No, no Chris Humphreys okay. on this squad. Yeah, I was. So, I think I was four years old at that point. So, <laughs> oh, that's a uh, this one cuts, Ben. This cuts. Yeah, we apologize if we started off this this podcast a bit dejected, but this Toronto Raptors team they really came out and they as they've done throughout this whole sort of start of the season they come out and they bait us right. Siakam starts the game hitting some shots, driving to the net, looking athletic, all these sorts of things, and then. Just as the game goes along, it gets worse and worse and worse until the other team makes a run. And the Toronto Raptors have been known as a resilient team, a team with that championship sort of experience that if they take a blow, they can always bounce back. But now, the time we take a blow by these non... Yes, the Sixers are a playoff team, and the Spurs and the Pelicans are fighting, but these non-top upper echelon teams... We just get knocked out and we start getting sooky. We're just complaining to the refs. Pascal Siakam, I don't know what he was doing at the end of this game. And I've been a Pascal Siakam apologist from since the bubble. But he came out here just not mentally engaged. He was driving on Embiid without making any moves. Sort of throwing the ball out of bounds. Not ready to catch passes. And in the last six minutes of this game, Riker, Siakam had five fouls. He had one of the start. He got fouled out. Five fouls in six minutes in crunch time. Crunch time for your star. The guy you're paying $35 million to or however much. It, this is absolutely unacceptable from our guy. And we wanted to come out here. And he had some solid moments in this game. There's a couple possessions where he hit some nice threes, some nice midi pull-ups. His spin, he doesn't. he's still not really finishing around the rim like you'd like to see. But 20 points, six rebounds. But... Horrible efficiency, 8 of 23 from the field, and 
I hate being someone that loves to to bag on players that everyone's sort of going at, but there's really no excuse for a guy that's supposed to be our number one option, Riker. And by the numbers, by the numbers, let's just put it out there because there's no way to sweeten this. Pascal Siakam, you pointed it out before we started, as many fouls as rebounds in this game. Alex Len, twice as many turnovers as points this game. Norman Powell, not even our sixth man anymore compared to the minutes that Stanley Johnson got in this game. Six points on 28% from the field. What is this team? What makes it extra embarrassing is, and shout out to these guys. They were actually pretty cool. I was invited to participate in this uh, live game podcast with a Sixers podcast, Sixers Mania. They were, they were two nice guys, but I got their perspective on different things. And this it's typically a rivalry, but of course, with no fans, it's not as heightened. But I got their opinion on Siakam, the Siakam versus Jalen Brown debate, their opinion on what b- playoff berth they think the Raptors are going to get. And let me tell you, their opinions on the Raptors are pretty low, and it's hard to give any valid argument as to why they'd be wrong when the Raptors come out and play like this, Ben. Yeah, it's... I'm still not giving up on the team, and we'll talk about sort of our predictions as this video goes along. I'm not someone that's going to look at our squad and be like, oh, we should tank or something at this point, or we're not going to make the playoffs or anything like that. I'm giving it till about 8 to 10 games into it, so till we get a, really get a feel of this roster, what we can do. Nick Nurse can figure out lineups, and we'll talk about that probably in more future videos, and this one maybe as we go along, but... I'm not giving up on the squad, but certainly if we can't close games, if we have no one, and Lowry tried. Lowry tried his best to sort of figure things out at the end of this one, and he had a solid game tonight, Kyle Lowry, 24 points, uh, a really solid game actually, 9 assists, 8 rebounds, a near triple-double, not the most efficient game, but Lowry, you could tell, was the guy, and OG as well, didn't want the Raptors to lose, and Lowry's obviously been the leader of this team for the past over a decade, so... I thought he was going to be able to pull it out. Obviously, it wasn't enough as we had Siakam turning over the ball at the end, Baines, Len, all that sort of stuff that we'll dive into further. But this team really needs to get it together. And Lowry, at his age right now, he doesn't have the same spark. He still doesn't have that same consistency as he did maybe in 2016, 2015, 2017. So we're going to need a guy like Siakam or OG to really take over. And I thought OG played really well this game, but he still doesn't have that takeover mindset at the end of games where we can give him the ball and score and that sort of stuff. But if Siakam continues to play like this, I bagged bagged on him the start. Fred Van Vliet, he had an atrocious game tonight as well. Only eight points for Fred, three of 12 from the field. Had a few assists and rebounds, but not a strong performance from him either. If those two guys, because that's who we sort of look at as our closers, and maybe Norman Powell, but he's been completely off the map for this whole, since the bubble, so or post-bubble. So if we can't get any of these guys going, Riker, what are we supposed to do? Because I have faith they'll bounce back, but we will be poor, as those Sixers fans mentioned, if those guys can't step it up. You talk about closers. That's the important thing to mention here, Ben, because... We it's documented how Fred VanVleet struggles against the 76ers team. Kyle Lowry, really, he shouldn't be the guy to close this game anyways. Their shortest person on their kind of closing lineup is Seth Curry, who's 6'2", 6'3". Then the rest of the guys they have out there, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, um, who, who would the fourth guy be? Uh, Danny Green. So they, they're just a big team. This, this is where Siakam needs to go and do more than a straight-line drive with no attempt to spin, euro, 
pump fake baby hook he's literally just putting his head down his shoulder down not even drawing contact not even doing the classic sweep through that demar Rosen and james harden have made a career off of he, he's not his game is just so unelevated, so unadvanced compared to what we've been used to of siakam over the past two seasons that it's 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 such a a devolution i guess of of his player performance and if a guy like pascal siakam can't close against the tall team i don't know who can because you you hit the nail on the head ben og he doesn't have the mindset to take over a game create his own offense lowry he, he's doing his the best he can yeah what more can you ask from him so i i don't know where the offense has to come from we're not going to get scoring from aaron baines and it's un- unfortunate that he didn't get that shot off in time because that that could have saved the raptors actually that was a game changer it really was, and that uh, that really took the wind out of their sails, brought them down. Uh, they, they could have had that three-point buffer, obviously, when Kyle Lowry hit his two free throws. But end of the day, you know, Boucher is unplayable when you're playing against real bigs. We said at the beginning of the season, Aaron Baines, he has no offense that he can really use except off of the pick and pop. So, And even off the pick and roll, he was getting blocked on dunk attempts. So, <laughs> Ben, I don't know where the Raptors can go from here. Yeah, we'll talk about Boucher later. I have him saved for one of the segments. But the the another point I wanted to bring up, and you alluded to the center position. Obviously, the Toronto Raptors lost Serge Ibaka, who you and I were heartbroken to to lose, and for different reasons. You thought he shouldn't have left; he should have stayed. I thought the Raptors should have went harder after him. We won't dive back into that debate. But another guy we lost is Marcus Gasol, who by by all accounts struggled in the playoffs, struggled in the bubble, but. One area he did not struggle at any point last season is guarding Joel Embiid. And, you know, we have a we have a little pick to sort of make Raptors fans a little bit happier because we're probably feeling like Joel Embiid in this picture here. But, you know, losing Marc Gasol, Joel Embiid last season averaged five points per game against the Toronto Raptors. Five. Like, by all accounts, the best center in the NBA averaged five points per game against us. And tonight... He just absolutely ate us up down low, pulling up his stats here. 29 points, 16 rebounds, 4 assists, and coming against the Raptors, right? I, I've watched a few Sixers games. Two steals, games. two blocks. Yeah, two steals, two blocks. Watching him play different teams, he's usually really strong and stuff, but to see him do this against the Raptors, this is unprecedented, Riker. Right? Usually Gasol's in here just completely clamping him down, whether it's the playoffs, the regular season, and... One of the worries we had is how our bigs can sort of handle up to these these better centers across the NBA because the top guys in the league in the Eastern Conference, they're all big guys that you need to defend the paint with. And Embiid and Giannis, those guys were locked up by Marcus Gasol. And obviously we have bigger issues right now than sort of our future playoff prospects. And if we want to sort of make a run, and well, we've been talking about that. But if we want to beat these teams, Aaron Baines doesn't seem to have the mobility, just the the defensive strength to guard an Embiid, a Giannis type of player. And Lord knows Chris Boucher going up in the paint just against Dwight Howard, a washed Dwight Howard. He looked afraid down there. So the big man position, it's not looking good for the Toronto Raptors going up against the the Sixers, the Bucks, those sort of big man, well-rounded teams. Yeah, well, if the first word you use was mobility, 
when if that's the issue in guarding Joel Embiid, then we're really in a pickle, Ben, because I wouldn't say that Joel Embiid has a very quick first step. So strength, definitely one of the things, but I'm very concerned if mobility is an issue at Yo, the center you, spot. You got you to gotta be shifty. Marcus Gasol, he's not quick, but he's mobile enough to sort of get to those positions. So uh, He's smart. Yeah. Pau Gasol, Marcus Gasol. Brooke Lopez, these are all non-athletic bigs that have mm-hmm. been in the league for long enough to know that, hey, I don't have athleticism over anybody, but I have positioning over people. And if I put myself in the right spot, then I can, without even jumping most of the time, get a block. But um, Aaron Baines at 34, I don't know if he's going to develop into that same IQ and that same tier as Marcus All, but we can still hope. And I, I don't know, I, I feel like we've just bagged and bagged on the Raptors players now. Maybe we'll just slide it into the segments or spin it to something positive because it's hard to just trash on your team for this long then yeah and we've been known to be a little bit homers or especially be overly positive about the raptors but it's not looking good right now i'm not losing hope for the season but right now we really need to turn things around maybe try out different lineups to give nurse at least some credit he tried different things tonight maybe not the ideal things we'd like to see him try with uh, i guess len needed to be out there but stanley johnson getting those minutes you and i have been high on bembry these types of guys paul watson but we'll, we'll leave all that to further discussion tonight the spicy p lay of the day Riker. Even though this was a lower game for the Toronto Raptors, there were some positive moments in this game tonight. Do you have any in mind? No, I think you do, though. Yeah, so tonight, Kyle Lowry, at the end of this one, I thought he was really going to bring it back, and I just really liked when he turned on that, that intensity clip. He went straight at Danny Green in the end of this one after missing a three, sort of shimmied in between all those defenders and threw up a little scoop layup. OG Ananobi, he had a, some really nice plays at the start of this one. Defensive plays, pick and pockets, getting fast break dunks. But the big one that comes to mind has to be our guy Stanley Johnson, who did have a bit of butterfingers out there when he was on the court, dribbling and trying to catch passes and all those sorts of things. But at the free throw line, I think it was Alex Len, he almost airballed a, a free throw again, Riker. He almost had a second airball of the season in the first three games, but it, it lightly grazed the front of the rim. So you know as a player that if someone airballs it short the first go, they're going to throw it hard the second one. So Stanley Johnson knew that. He saw that with that, that basketball IQ clanked off the back of the rim, and he came down and yammed it on a free throw. Rarely you see a, a free throw putback, Riker. I forgot all about that one just because I was in pain watching Stanley Johnson play for 21 minutes. But yeah, I, you're, you're absolutely right with that. But I want to swing it into the OGs, Ben, because I have a perfect one for the OGs play. That's, to me at least, I'm sure there was a ton because this game was just awkwardness on a stick. Uh, but for me, Alex Len... He went up, he pump faked beautifully. Pump fake, got Joel Embiid in the air, and then went uh, went up for the dunk and hung onto the rim for a second. Missed a gimme dunk off of two feet, hung onto the rim so that he got an offensive violation. You rarely see offensive basket interference, let alone on their own dunk attempt, let alone when it was just a gimme dunk. That one, to me, summed up Alex Len's game. But Ben, do you have any other OGs? Yeah, to to build off OGs with Alex Len, four turnovers and two points. That's a that's a tough stat line to sort of look at. Not really a play, but just a an OG stat in this one. That was that was tough. Stanley Johnson, we alluded to it earlier. 
him trying to sort of dribble occasionally is just really tough to watch at times because he does look smooth on occasion, but then the ball just randomly flies in random places. So even if he's still in control of it, it's it's really perplexing. Sort of, it's a. It's I, a... I could not stop laughing then when he got a pass out on the wing and went to take a like a dribble off the first step. Lost it on his own leg. It almost it went almost out of bounds, went out of bounds. And then he had trouble like trying to stop it on the ground, <laughs> and then like did a really bad handoff to Lowry, and that that's Stanley Johnson for you guys. Yeah, that's Stanley Johnson. I don't know. I I thought he wasn't horrible overall tonight, but definitely some plays out there that definitely made you say, "Oh, geez." And Norman Powell's just whole sort of performance, whole vibe out there. He had a couple threes, but other than that, just really didn't look engaged, and he was obviously called out by Nick Nurse prior to this performance. I was sort of, he hit a three early on, I was hoping this was going to be a big bounce back game for Norman Powell, but his whole just vibe out there made me say, oh geez, and we have a long list, but they probably fit better into the Damari Carroll Gold Star Award, so the the worst, the infamous Damari Carroll Gold Star Award, worst performance of the night. We gave out a bunch in the last podcast, Riker, I feel like we could give out even more tonight. No. For me, I can only give out one, and he's stack. Wait, he's stacking them right along the chest. It's the person that you would not expect to get it. The reigning coach of the year in the M- in the NBA, Mister Nick Nurse. This is dreadful to receive this, the Gold Star Award for worst performance of the evening. Typically, this goes to a player that just goes out there, does bad. You know who it's going to, but Nick Nurse. When you're when you have a ton of players playing bad enough to receive this, I'm putting it on you, on the coaching staff, on playing Stanley Johnson over Norman Powell in terms of minutes, on playing Alex Len 21 minutes, on not giving Bembry any run, on we don't know what the situation is with Terrence Davis, but I'm assuming that it's more off the court stuff is the reason that he's not getting play during the regular season with his pending litigation, but he's dreadfully needed right now, Ben. Nick Nurse needs to figure out how to convert plays the wins we need to stop losing the second quarter we need to stop losing the closeout minutes like they're it's bad it's bad nick nurse he's getting it twice in a row malachi flynn bro malachi flynn could be the answer that was a guy that you and i he was arguably one of our better players in preseason not arguably he was one of our better players someone could make the case he was one of our best point guards in preseason with lowry being out so it's it's just a tough look and we won't get mad at him for the terrence davis stuff but Paul Watson running Stanley Johnson over Paul Watson with all the opportunities sort of Stanley has had over the past year or so. And Paul Watson, a guy that has taken advantage of the opportunities he's been given. Right. Not getting a not getting this sort of run. I guess Stanley Johnson hit the game winner and had that good game in the bubble against the Sixers, but Paul Watson did as well, so I'm not sure why Stanley Johnson has the precedent over him. And DeAndre Bembry, I really liked his game. Obviously, he's not the three-point shooter that, in theory, well, I guess Stanley Johnson isn't one either, but uh, I think he shot 18% from three last season, but he's a hustler, he cuts well, he has a high IQ. I I don't really know why DeAndre Bembry isn't really getting that run, and he's a guy that's more of the play in the flow in the offense, so he he hasn't gotten his opportunity despite playing a few minutes. Matt Thomas, we don't really know what's happening with him right now. Obviously, he really struggled in the last game, but Nick Nurse sort of has to figure things out Maybe the other guys wouldn't have played either as well, and I guess he's seen them night in, night out. I'm not going to trash on Nick Nurse because I think he's getting a lot of hate on Instagram and Reddit and Twitter and all that sort of stuff. But I think we could also give one out to uh, Norman Powell. Norman Powell, I alluded to him in the OGs. He has just been horrific to start this season, and 
as one of the the founders of Norm Island, one of the guys that sort of stayed on it since day one, this has been the the lowest I've ever been on Norman Powell because it's not even just he's making bad plays in terms of getting to the rim and not being able to finish them because that was always Norm's issue. Getting good shots and then just not closing the deal, sealing the deal on them. Right now, he is incapable of really doing anything positive on the court, really. He's not getting good shots for himself. He's not using his athleticism. He hit a couple threes tonight, but he's taking a bunch of ill-advised ones. The decision-making has gone back to rookie Norm, and he's passing up open threes to literally run out of bounds. That could be another OG's play of the night, too. I don't know what's on the go with Norman Powell. From a guy that averaged almost 17 points per game last season to a guy that probably wouldn't start on the Raptors 905 right now. I don't know what to do with this guy. And I'm going to take a moment of exaggerated pause because I don't know how to respond to this absolute hate that's being bestowed upon your boy. My God. How you handcrafted Norm Island for (laughs) three consecutive years when all of the hate was just coming there was storm clouds and negativity and just bashing and people saying he should be cut and released and you just crafted this little island of support this little sanctuary of positivity for norm powell so to hear you say these things that you don't even think he would start on the g league team i think it's an accurate assessment but it's sad to hear ben so i want to finish on a positive note was that we questioned og and anobis at least i did I said he was putting in that Andrew Wiggins-style gameplay. You get the bag, and then all of a sudden, your intensity, your involvement, your focus on the court, it seems to wane. He came back and responded in a big way. He was one of the two plus-minus starters uh, for the team with Kyle Lowry, who we've already spoken to death, had a good game as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of negatives, a little bit of positives. Hopefully, the Raptors don't lose to the the Knicks. Is that our next game, Ben? We lose to the Knicks. It's it's bad, bad. But listen, the, the Wizards are already 0-4, so... We're we, not we, last. We're, we're not last. <laughs> this is a... And the yeah. Cavs started 3-0. and <laughs> oh. Yo, people are saying they might make the playoffs. The, the early season takes from people always get a bit wild. The Orlando Magic seem to always go like 8-0 to start the season, and then they just always end up as the 8th seed, so... We can't overreact, and I started, started the podcast saying this, and I'll continue saying this. It's not till... Game 8, Game 9, Game 10, if we're still playing this poorly, then it's time to panic. It's time to really look at things, gauge how things are going, and then probably make some moves and stuff. But it's definitely not a positive the way we've played so far, and I guess some more positives. The biggest real positive this game is no one's been injured yet, really. I guess Patrick McCaw, but that's the biggest thing, because it seems like guys are going down like flies. I was worried Joel Embiid was going to be out for a little bit, so... Hopefully everyone stays healthy, everyone stays physically, whether it be injuries or health-wise. So, I don't know. The Toronto Raptors, I think we'll bounce back. We better beat the Knicks. If we lose to the Knicks, then we should really sound the alarms. And if we're eight games in, we're one and eight or one and seven or whatever, then we should really, really worry. But Raptors Nation, stay positive, stay stay cool, stay subscribed to the Raptors Digest. No need to sort of be jumping off the bandwagon right now, but you guys are the best to make this far. Check out the Twitter, the Instagram, all the cool stuff. As we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, check out the website, raptorsdigest.ca. Lots of cool articles going on over there, so definitely check that out. Riker, you have any last words? Yep, Ben. Who would win?
the Raptors 2020 team, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and don't even ask Aaron Baines. Don't or even... <laughs> 2005 Raptors, Jose Calderon, <laughs> Mo Peterson, <laughs> Matt Bonner, Charlie Villanueva, and Chris Bosh, because statistically they would be in a very close matchup. Statistically, the, this Raptors team would just lose automatically because we have a zero win percentage. At least that team won some games, you know. I guess three games oh, into the season, no. but I, I, I t- li- seriously, I take us. But CB four man with that little lefty mid, Jose Calderon coming off those pick and rolls. Right, me as a four year old, I was shooter. I was mesmerized by uh, Charlie Villanueva hitting a few threes. You know. It's a good look. Good looking squad that 05 Raptors team. Ew. All right. Cheers.